Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. The Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. It says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now that word propitiation, we would better understand it today, a sacrifice. But Jesus is only our sacrifice through faith in his blood. And faith really is dependent on knowledge. You cannot have faith for what you don't know about. Um, I guess three and a half years ago or or so, uh, we got Jeannie a, a new car. Uh, she wanted to be able to carry more grandkids. So we got her an expedition. And she's driving this thing for about two years. Right? And she, she reaches down and she's trying to adjust the seat. And the seat came alive. It starts vibrating, starts giving her a massage. And she's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Listen, she had the massager all the time. And she's always like, give me a massage, honey. Give me a massage. The truck could have been doing it. <laughs> but, but it was there the whole time, but she didn't know it. And because she didn't know it, there was no benefit. Now, listen, it, it, it's like, like Jeannie's truck. There were things on that truck that she did not know that that truck had. But you see, with the blood of Jesus, there's no forgiveness without the blood. There's no mercy without the blood. There's no power without the blood. There's no grace without the blood. There's no redemption without the blood. There's no justification without the blood. There is no sanctification without the blood. There's no life of God for us without the blood. There's no intercession without the blood. There's no healing without the blood. There's no access without the blood. There's no deliverance without the blood. There's no righteousness without the blood. And nobody goes to heaven without the blood. You see, there's a lot in the blood that sometimes we don't recognize. When we were building this building, uh, we, we got in, in in 2006. So it was in 2005. We're building this building. Um, this building was, I think it was $42 million, the addition. And uh, we put down $17 million. And so we had to have a loan for $25 million, which, by the way, is down to $3.4 million. It's about to get paid off. Praise the Lord. All right. But <clears throat> the bank is like, oh, that's a lot of money to give a church. So they said, what we need to do is he says, we want to take out a life insurance policy on you with the church as the beneficiary to pay the bank. Right? So they send somebody in, this doctor in, and he does this EKG, and they started taking blood. And then they took a bottle of blood. And they took another vial of blood. And they took another vial of blood. And they took another vial of blood. And they took another. I thought, am I going to have any blood left? Right? And they did the blood work. And then they sent us back, like two weeks later, is either four or five pages of the stuff that was in my blood. I had no idea there was so much stuff in my blood. But listen, when it comes to the blood of Jesus... There is so much power and so much available 
Everything hinges around the blood in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, for us to believe, because it's through faith in his blood, which is dependent on knowledge. In fact, we should say this way, accurate knowledge and application of that knowledge brings the best blessings that heaven has. But limited knowledge brings limited results. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So literally what we're doing is we're just talking about what is in the blood of Jesus. Well, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, no man except Jesus could have redeemed you and I. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, in his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. That's his name. Because Jesus' blood was not just human blood. Jesus' blood was the blood of God. The Bible says he purchased with his own blood. Only Jesus could have redeemed us. And Jesus paid with his blood for a real redemption that gives real answers to real life problems. First Peter chapter one, verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Now that word redeemed, it's the picture of a slave on an auctioning block, right? And somebody pays the price to purchase them. Right? That is the picture that this has for us. You see, we were slaves to sin, right? But Jesus purchased us. He redeemed us. Now, the Bible says, not with corruptible things like silver or gold received from the aimless conduct or the lifestyle that you received from the tradition of your parents. So you were not redeemed with something corruptible. Now, everything that we see in this world, the apostle Peter tells us is going to pass away. It says that God is going to set the atmosphere on fire. It's not going to be a nuclear holocaust. God's going to do this. And it says that every element will melt. Your car, my wedding ring, all of it, it's going to melt, right? And then God's going to make a new atmosphere in a new earth. But you couldn't be redeemed with something that was going to pass away, something that was perishable. Because there's a part of you that is not perishable. Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the whole world, but you lost your soul? And what could you give in exchange for your soul? So Jesus said this. He said, you are worth more than the whole world because this world will pass away, but you will never pass away. Every person is going to live someplace forever. You are immortal. You had a beginning, but you're never going to have an ending. And there is nothing in this world that could redeem you because there's a part of you that is not just mortal. It is immortal. There's a part of you that literally someday should live in the eternal God realm. See, everybody's going to live forever. It's just a matter of where we're going to live. Right? So then the 19th verse, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. 
So God had to redeem us with something that came from the eternal realm because you and I are going to live someplace forever and ever. Hebrews 13 verse 20 says, now the God of peace who brought again from the dead, the Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Right. So the blood of Jesus, it is the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's not just for the world as we know it today, but it is everlasting. It's eternal. Make you perfect in every good work. Now, get this. What's going to make you perfect? The blood. The blood is going to make you perfect. So often we think about the blood of Jesus and we only think about forgiveness. But the blood of Jesus does more than just forgive. The blood of Jesus brings grace. The blood of Jesus empowers us supernaturally with God's ability today. And notice, it'll make you perfect in every good work. Now, by the way, that good, when it's talking here about good works, I believe in part it's talking about things in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? But it's more than, than, than that. It's everything that we do. And so often we have a dichotomy. We think there's spiritual things and then there's just natural things. But I love what Martin Luther said. He said, the milkmaid that milks the cow and the pastor that pastors the sermon both serve God equally. Everything that we do, the Bible tells us we're to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Everything that we do, right? So the blood doesn't just bring mercy for your past. It brings grace to help for every need, the Bible says. Well-timed help coming just when you need it. For what need? Every need. You need provision. You need peace. You need deliverance. You need healing. You, you need joy. Whatever it is, it equips you today. The blood equips us today. So before we came out, to, or I came out today, I said, man, I plead the blood of Jesus over this service. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself. Now, what? Now, by the way, to plead the blood is synonymous with faith in the blood. We're saying, I believe the blood of Jesus is going to supernaturally enable me to do what I need to do. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ? It amazes me, by the way, how many churches you can go to today and they never talk about the blood. Right? But everything hinges on the blood in the gospel. Everything hinges on the blood. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, if we look at this verse, it's talking about what the blood of Jesus does. Now, by the way, I just want to say this, the blood of Jesus needs to be in two places. It needs to be in heaven. But the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus put his blood on the mercy seat. And Hebrews 12 says that blood is speaking on your behalf right now. So it's applied in heaven. But the blood needs to be 
applied in your heart. Now, notice what it says here. It will purge your conscience. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. It's the voice of your heart. So the blood of Jesus needs to be more than just in heaven. It needs to be applied in your heart. Right? So it will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So I want to ask you three simple questions. Right? And this should help you kind of see where your faith is in the blood. First question is this. How do you identify yourself? See, as a, as a pastor through the years, I guess we've been doing this for 45 years. I've had more people than I can count come up, and this is the, they'll say something similar to this. They'll say, uh, my name is Mary, and I've been divorced four times. My name is Bill, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm John, and I've been addicted to cocaine for 16 years. Right? Now, what they do is they identify themselves based on their failures, and based on their sin, right? But the blood of Jesus will purge your conscience. It will purge your conscience. And you will not identify yourself based on your shortcomings and based on your sins. Let me remind you, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he will always point you to your failures. Always, right? But when you have faith in the blood, you identify yourself based on what the blood has done for you. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of God. At the cross, God took your unrighteousness and put it inside of Jesus and he took Jesus' righteousness and put it inside of you. And when you have faith in the blood, because that's what the blood did, you don't identify yourself based on your failures and your shortcomings. You'd identify yourself based on what the blood of Jesus has done for you. It has purged your conscience from dead works. And now you see yourself the way God sees you. All right. Now, I know that kind of like upsets some people. You're saying you're righteous. Absolutely. But not based on anything I've done, only based on what he's done. And you're not righteous based on what you've done. You're righteous based on what he's done. That's why you need to have faith in the blood of Jesus. What can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All right? But it does wash away your sin. And not only does it wash away your sin, it remits your sin. Right? Which literally means it's, it's like you never, ever sinned. Second right? Corinthians 5, verse 18. I like the living Bible the best. It says this. It says, God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself. No longer. In fact, I want everybody to say that. Say, no longer. All right? No longer holding men's sins against them. Now, how many have ever read in the Old Testament said that God's angry with the sinner? It's in there, right? But no longer. Hello? No longer holding men's sins against them. 
You see, the cross is the dividing line, right? At the cross, everything changed. At the cross, the blood of Jesus was shed and you were redeemed. You were bought back from under the domain of sin and you were taken out of Satan's kingdom and put into the kingdom of the son of his love. Everything changed at the cross. No longer holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Next verse. This is the wonderful message we have to tell others that God's not mad. You know what? I have talked to so many Christians, so many who said, well, yeah, I know I'm, I've, I've got cancer, but it's God's punishing me. God's mad that I did this. God's mad about that. God's trying to humbug. That's not, that's not New Testament. That's not with the blood of Jesus, right? Because your sin is remitted. God is not mad. God's not punishing you. God's not holding something against you. It is gone. It's done because of the, the blood. So the second question is, do you believe that you qualify for God's best blessings? I remember we were growing, when I was growing up, we used to sing a song in the car. We'd go visit grandma. And grandma lived a, like 120 miles away. Right? And this is, this is back in the late 50s. Right? And we'd drive up those two-lane roads, 120 miles. And, and we would sing the song, Oh, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I remember that. All I want is a cabin. Just a cabin in the corner of glory land. I just want to make it just by the skin of my, or the hair of my teeth, or how, what do you say? I just want to make heaven anywhere I can get there. I don't need anything else, God. Just a cabin in the corner of glory land. But when you have faith in the blood, you believe that you qualify for the best. Jesus didn't say he's going to build you a log cabin in the corner of glory land. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. He says, and I go to prepare a place for you. See, do you believe you qualify for the best? And I want to add something to that. Not just when you die. See, because salvation does not begin when you die. Salvation begins the moment you receive Jesus and you're taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. So second question, do you qualify for God's best blessings? And then number three, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Do you feel you qualify to serve? Do you qualify to serve? Now, let me kind of bring this down where the rubber meets the road. If, if, if I called you up and, and I said, uh, there's a member of our church who was just to see the doctor and they said they have terminal cancer and all things being equal, they'll be dead in a week. Would you please go pray for them? What would your response be? Would you be like, Pastor, 
Um, could you like ask somebody else to do that? Because nothing's going to happen if I pray. Because when your conscience is purged, it is to serve the living God. Whatever needs to be done in the kingdom, you're qualified. You're ready. You don't think I am disqualified because this, that, or the next thing. No, when your conscience is purged, it is that you will be able to serve the living God. Remember, the devil always points his finger at our sin, at our shortcomings. He's the accuser of the brethren. But the Holy Spirit always points us to the blood. Always points us to the blood. That the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Those sins are remitted. The punishment for your sin and my sin fell on Jesus. It is paid for. God is not mad at you. God is not up in heaven going, I can't believe they did that. I'm going to withhold my blessings. I'm not going to use them. I'm not going to bless them. No, God's not mad. It's all been taken care of at the cross. God is no longer holding men's sins against them. He's blotting them out because of the blood of Jesus. And there's so many different ways that the Bible illustrates that. Even in the Old Testament, when the blood of a bull and a goat only covered sin, pointing to what Jesus was going to do. It says, I've swept away your offenses like a cloud and your sins like the morning mist. You have put all my sins behind your back. In, in 1975, Jeannie and I were in Bible college. And the guest lecturer one week was Corey Tinboom. Now, some of you know who she is. She was uh, for helping the Jewish people, hiding them from the Germans during World War II. She and her family were put in a concentration camp. Uh, they said they'd let them go if they would just promise not to help any more Jews. And, and they said, no, no, no. We, you let us go. We'll help everybody we can, every Jew we can. Right? And her text was Micah 7:19. We said, you will tread our sins underfoot and hurdle all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And then I remember what she said. She says, and then God puts up a no fishing sign. I love that. They're all in the depths of the sea with a no fishing sign. Zechariah 13, 1. And in that day, there will be a fountain open to the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And that fountain is a fountain of blood. It's Jesus' blood. Right? In Exodus chapter 12, as the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, that night they had taken the lamb and they slit the lamb's throat and they caught the blood in a basin. And then they stood in front of their home and they struck above the door and struck on each side of the door with the blood. And God said this in Exodus 12, 23, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer into your house to strike you. God said, where I see the blood, I will not allow the destroyer to come in. Now that night, certain things happened because of the blood. They went out of Egypt, a type of the world. 
Because of the blood, they escaped the world, Egypt of their day. Then the power of the oppressor was broken because of the blood. The oppressors were all drowned in the Red Sea. But then Psalms 105 says something very, very interesting about that night. It says, he, God, brought Israel forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, God had told him, when you're going to leave, he said, you go to your neighbors and you ask for their silver, you ask for their gold. You ask for the best that they have. And they did, and the Egyptians gave them their silver and their gold. Now, to me, that says that one of the blessings of the blood is provision. It is provision. They didn't go out broke. They went out blessed. And notice the last part of the verse. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Other translations I I checked this morning say not one sick person. Another, all of them were healthy and strong. Two million people go out of Egypt and there's not one of them that's sick. Every one of them is healthy and every one of them is strong. Now, listen, you can't get five Christians together and not have one have something wrong. I mean, you know, that's true. That's just true. But they partook of a type of Jesus under the blood, and there was healing for every single, for two million people. It's one of the benefits of the blood. Jesus called healing the children's bread. So there is provision and there's healing because of the blood. Unfortunately, so often we're ignorant of what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. It's got to be applied in heaven. Hebrews 12, 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. So it's applied already in heaven. But it has to be applied in our hearts. Remember, it'll cleanse your conscience, the voice of your spirit. The Bible tells us in Psalms 130 and verse 7, with him is abundant redemption. It is an abundant redemption. And part of that, I think, is God just overpaid. He overpaid. We all know the law of exchange. You go to the store and you want to buy something and, and the price tag is $36, so you have to come up with 36 bucks and there's an exchange. It's supposed to be something of equal value. But what God did is he paid with you and me with the precious blood of Jesus. The Bible says the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Notice it says he will perfect. And that's what God did in Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, it was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect or to make perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. 
What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make us whole again in right relationship with God? Your hand in God's hand, nothing but the blood. What's our hope and peace? Nothing but the blood. Song goes on and says, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood. Revelation 12, 11. Uh, Maybe we'll close with this. This is at least my first closing. Revelation 12, 11. And they, that's you and me, overcome him, that's Satan, and demon power. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to death. Now, there's three words in this verse. Blood, word, and testimony. Blood, word, and testimony. See, testimony has to be personal. You've got to say it. It's got to be your testimony. You have to apply the blood. You have to believe. You have to resist. You have to demand your rights. The word, the blood, and the testimony. You know, some people today are very very conscious of what's going on in our culture. Other people I've noticed are very body conscious. Some are money conscious. Some are self-conscious. Some are people conscious. Some are devil conscious. Some are time conscious. I think some are unconscious. But, But what we need to do, listen, we need to be blood conscious. We need to be word conscious. And we need to be testimony conscious. We need to be recognizing and making sure the words that are coming out of our mouth, our testimony is what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. The word of God tells us what the blood has purchased. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Now notice that sprinkling of the blood comes before, excuse me, obedience. We can say it this way. Faith comes before the sprinkling. Obedience or faith comes before the sprinkling. So the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They've come out of the desert. They're at the edge of the promised land. Joshua sent two spies into the first city they're going to conquer, the city of Jericho. Most of you know the story. They go in and they go to a hotel and it happens to be ran by a woman by the name of Rahab, who's a prostitute. And her house is on the wall of the city. And they enter the house. She recognizes who they are. She takes them upstairs. She lays them out on the the roof and she covers them up. And sure enough, she hardly is done and the king's men come. And say, the spies, they came to your house. Turn them over. And she said, well, yeah, they came, but they they left right before the gate was closed. Go and pursue them. And then she goes up on the roof. And this is what she said to them. She said, we know that the Lord's your God. He's God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. And we know 
that the Lord your God, he has delivered this whole land into your hand. And she says, so this is what I want. She says, I want you to save me in my house. And they said, all right, this is what we're going to do. She says, you're going to let us down off the wall. And she has a scarlet cord, a blood red rope. And she lets them down on that blood red rope. And this is what they said. And I say, they said, when we come, he says, you keep that blood red rope in that window. And if that blood red rope is in the window, everybody in your house is going to be safe because the blood red cord is in the window. Now, to me, that speaks of the household of faith. Right? See, the blood doesn't protect us and save us and deliver us unless we're in the household of faith. Unless we're putting our faith in the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, as a result of the blood, Colossians 1, 13, you're delivered from the power of darkness or from the kingdom of darkness. That's Satan's kingdom. And you're conveyed into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's the kingdom of God. I remember Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But literally, we are taken out by the blood of Jesus from the kingdom of darkness, and we are put into the kingdom and the family of God. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful force, the most positive force in the universe. There is power in that blood. It is the everlasting blood of the covenant. It will never ever lose its power. But because you've been taken out of Satan's kingdom, that means everything that is a part of that kingdom no longer has any right in your life, in your body. You've been taken out, right? So I just want you to do a little confession with me this morning as we close. Just say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, my mind, my thoughts, over my past, over my future, and over my conscience. I have victory, and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Devil, you will not have my children. You'll not have my marriage. You'll not have my body. I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm justified by the blood. Jesus' blood cleanses me from all sin in all its forms and manifestation. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Those of you that are online, bow your head, please. Again, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13 says it was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And by that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice at Calvary. And by his blood, 
He can perfect you. He can make you perfect in God's sight. Forgiven, you will take your hand and put it in God's hand. God is not mad at you. He's not holding your sins against you. He's not punishing you. It's the lie of the devil that you've done too much, you've gone too far, and you've waited too long. It's a lie. Today, you can be right with God. And if you're away from God today, and you say, I want to put my faith in his blood, you've never come to God to receive forgiveness. Today, you can put your faith in his blood. And it's not what you can do plus the blood. He did everything that needed to be done. So I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud from your heart to make these words your own. But if you're here or wherever you're at online, if you can take somebody's hand, would you take their hand right now? We're going to pray this prayer together. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. And I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And by his blood, he was victorious over sin, death, the grave, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king, and I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You take me out of the kingdom of darkness. And you put me in the kingdom of God. I'm a part of your kingdom, part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.